This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The things that you can do with a predator call to get animals to come in is, is very enticing to me. Back at me broadside, I got a shot off. Uh, fawn hooves in, in that stuff, I found teeth, I found all sorts of stuff. I love how the two hikers there, they beetle right out of there when they found bears were in there. It's great. Like in British Columbia, Washington State doesn't allow baiting and it doesn't allow hunting with dogs. So, hunting something that's hunting you is just uh, it's a whole different diameter. And that's where the ultimate guide to black bear hunting came in. That, it scared the living shit out of me when I seen him. <laughs> I didn't follow my own advice. Couldn't find any blood, clear miss. Two bear had come in without another shooter there, without another person I would have never known. I like hunting things that can hunt you if they so choose. Alright everybody, We've got a great uh, episode lined up for you here. Today I'm joined by Doug Bowes, the uh, bear calling master. Doug shares some stories and gives us a bunch of tips and tricks that he's learned and used over the years making him, in my opinion, one of the most successful bear hunters out there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good information you guys are going to take away from this episode, so hope you enjoy it. Okay, Maps Plus is one of the world's leading backcountry navigation apps, turning your phone into a fully functional GPS unit. Backroads Maps Books is proud to offer maps as an in-app purchase for Topo Maps. This makes it super easy to download mobile apps for offline use. This way you can get accurate and reliable GPS tracking and navigation well out of cell and data service. With Topo Maps Plus, you can view your location on the map, add waypoints, trace new routes, measure distance and elevation, change and share your tracks with your friends, you know, once you're back in service. Never get lost with Backroads Maps.
One thing I love about your book, uh, the No Bait, Just Bears, is the stories you have in there. And uh, I like how you tell the stories and then you break down what you did wrong and, and kind of, you know, what you learned. So maybe before we get started on telling the people uh, who you are, Doug, you can maybe just set the mood for us with uh, with one of those those bear hunting stories. Yeah, my, my older brother, David, he kind of got me into bear hunting, actually. And anyway, we it's in the winter. It's like the last weekend of season i believe so um and it's it's up in the mountains so there's snow on the ground and it's kind of an odd time to bear hunt but still a fun time so we we hike in we get there in the morning we hike in and we're kind of overlooking this this uh gully and uh it's got some you know on the far side it's got some little patches of of trees and uh, avalanche shoots and stuff like that and so it, it looks like a good spot to kind of call it's got a creek down below and, and some cover and whatnot. And then behind us, it's kind of steep. And then there's a oh, a tree line kind of behind us, oh, probably 150 yards up a hill or so. So I sit down and I start calling. Real cool, crisp morning. And I'm uh, calling away on, on, I believe it was like a, uh, a rabbit distress. And the snow's, oh, the snow's probably a foot and a half deep or so. And then up behind me, about 150, 200 yards behind me, it, it goes kind of steep, and there's a tree line, thick trees behind us. So anyway, I, I'm I'm calling away, and I was expecting to see a coyote kind of pop out because it's just that type of morning, real cool, crisp, quiet, and it just looked like a coyote was going to come out. But anyway, I was calling away, and I want to say about 15 to 20 minutes into it, I could be wrong, it might have been a half an hour, but I want to say about 15 to 20 minutes, it, I was getting cold, so I stopped, and I stood up and kind of stretched a little bit. Then uh, I decided to sit back down and start calling again, and I want to say I started calling again for a little bit more, uh, and then I I heard a shot, and then my brother, he was just kind of down to my right and out of my view a little bit, and so that's kind of a key point. You want to make sure where your hunting partner is, um, but anyway, he was down to my right, I heard a shot, and I says, uh, hey, did you get something? Was it a coyote? And he says, no, it was a bear. Stay put. Uh, and so I stay put, um, and then uh, he gave me the okay that uh, the bear was down. And so what had happened was, is when I was calling, that first time I stopped calling, uh, David, my brother, he was getting cold too, and he stood up because he figured I was done. And he turned around, and he saw a bear that had crept up behind me in the brush and the bear was only i don't know 15 20 yards kind of around the corner from where i was uh but when i stood up to get warm that bear noticed me and then started uh actually noticed david that's right it noticed david's movement i think from him standing up too and then started going up the hill and disappeared before david could get uh, a shot off at the bear um and then when i started calling again uh Another, a different bear came out of the woods from behind us again and then came down this draw, and that's where David had shot. But the point of the story is, is uh, as I was calling and stuff like that, I had no idea that two bear had come in without another shooter there, without another person. I would have never known that I had called in two bears. I just would have thought that I had completely screwed up on, on the set. Um, and, and in reality two bears came in one was super close to me and then the other one was uh oh i don't know like 70 yards up a hill i think um and that was a lot of fun once we got up there and and 
you know, shooting a black bear in thick snow like that. And it was just a pretty morning. And we, we gutted it and drug it down to the trail. And the trail is kind of a popular hiking trail. And it was almost like a luge. It was, it was kind of icy and kind of dug out almost like a ditch. And David drug that thing out and it just slid basically all the way to the car. Um, and on the way out, we ran into a couple of uh, hikers and, and they couldn't believe that there was bear up there. And one set of hikers actually turned around and left, not in disgust from us, but in fear of seeing another bear. And then the other hikers were just kind of amazed. They're like, wow, we can't believe there's bear up here. We're, you know, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Where do you think bears live? Um, and so yeah, in, the, in that story, uh, the, the valley across that I was looking at was those little with those little tree uh, areas. I, I, I think I called those like little bear apartments because you could see where bear tracks went into those little uh, bundles of trees. And I think there was actually dens in there. And that was a couple of them. And that was my idea was trying to call those bear out of those wintering dens. Um, but in reality, two of them came from behind us. So that's that story. I love that one. I love how the two hikers there, they beetled right out of there when they found bears were in there. It's great. Yeah, they they're completely surprised. Yeah, you got a lot of uh, a lot of good stories in that in uh, in your book and like I said it's it's nice how you you tell the story and then you kind of break it down, you know, what you learned from that and all that stuff and that's in the in the one of your books, No Bait Just Bears. Um and you also have another book uh, the ultimate guide to black bear hunting. I uh, I haven't been able to get my hands on that book yet. It's just uh, it's just not available right now on Amazon. So hopefully when they they must be short on prints or something. But once it comes available, I I got it. So I'm going to be notified. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, you know maybe Doug, before uh, we get too deep here, you can just start off by telling all the listeners uh, you know who you are and and kind of what inspired you to write these two great books. Yeah, no problem. So obviously, my name is Douglas Bowes. I live down in uh, Washington State. Um, the first book that you're referring to, No Bait, Just Bears, that was just kind of a self-published project that I, I wanted to do. Uh, like in British Columbia, Washington State doesn't allow baiting and it doesn't allow hunting with dogs. And I saw online that there was a lot of questions about how to hunt bear without using those two um, options. And so I just decided as a bear hunter, I was like, well, I'll just kind of combine my stories and my knowledge and, and put this out there through a self-printing publishing company and uh, distribute it and, and see if it takes. And so that's kind of what I did. Um, and then with that, once I did that, I, I shopped it around to different publishers. Um, I just sent out copies to different publishers just to try to generate interest and, and see what happens. Um, I always tell people, you know, it's writing or, or whatever. It's very similar to fishing. You know, you just keep casting out until something bites. And uh, I happened to, to send that to my publisher in New York. Um, they liked the book, but they said, you know, obviously we can't publish this. But if you would like to rewrite it, we can add a lot more to it. Um, and then we can push out, you know, a high quality book. And so that's where the ultimate guide to black bear hunting came in. Um, so... Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of why I wrote those two books. Uh, Black, the Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting does contain uh, tips on baiting, and it has uh, different bear recipes in there and step-by-step on how to skin bears and, and more calling stories and, and things like that. And one thing I want to point out really quick, uh, you're looking for uh, Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting online. Um, 
actually it's it was in its third reprinting and i think what is available now is is all that's available so if you are interested in it i know that amazon doesn't carry the physical copy anymore because they sold out there is the uh, ebook version that's available or you can google online and i think like books a million or um barnes and noble they they still kind of carry it and it's it's in available in like cabela's stores and stuff like that physically but i i think to my knowledge what's out there is what's out there so and and the other thing is if you want to get one of those two books, get the ultimate guide to black bear hunting. The no bait, just bears was that self-published book, but it contains a lot of the same information. I would say that the ultimate guide is just, it's expanded more refined and it's just a, a, a better value for your money. So I'm not trying to short myself of, of funds here. I'm just saying, Hey, go with, go with the ultimate guide. If you're going to buy one. Yeah, well, I started with uh, No Bait, Just Bears, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to the next one, and that's a good tip. I'll, uh, as soon as we get off the line here, i got to make sure I get my hands on one of those. It'll be a collector's item one day. Yeah, I actually had to go. Uh, I went down to the Cabela's uh, like a month ago and bought myself a copy because I've either given them away or, um, you know, donated them to charity or something to that effect. And I didn't have a physical copy of my own, so I went down and bought one. So Yeah, definitely need one of those. <laughs> So, Doug, uh, up here in British Columbia, we're almost halfway through our spring black bear season. Um, and you mentioned that Washington has similar, similar regulations on black bears as BC. Up here, we're allowed two bears. Uh, we can't use bait. We're not allowed electronic calls up here. Uh, and I think in your state, it's it's all pretty much similar, isn't it? And uh, Except for spring bear. If I'm not wrong, that's on draw only, isn't it? Yeah, spring bear is uh, over-the-counter draw only unless I think some of the tribes run a guide service to where um, you can hunt over bait, I think, with them. But there, that's a whole separate, you know, that's the Indian tribe situation. But general public, yes, it's special draw only. Um, we can get two bear a year here, and but we can use electronic calls here. So oh, is that's that right? Legal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Did you, get, uh, did you get a draw this year for spring bear? No, I, I put in for it, and I have, uh, I think I have the most points I've ever had for it. Um, I, I think I'm at five or six points. I usually draw about every four years. So, no, no luck for me. My uh, nephew, he got drawn, and he's in the process of trying to find a bear right now. So, good luck to him, but uh, he's the only one in the family who got drawn. Oh, and he's not uh, knocking down the door of his old uncle, Doug, to uh, take him bear hunting? Yeah, it, it I would, I'd be happy to take him out, but I know his dad, you know, his dad works 40 hour a week, you know, like most of us or more. And I know his dad wants to take him out and, and show him the ropes. So hopefully that, hopefully that pans out. I'm, I'm pulling for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool for sure. So what, what do you prefer spring or fall bear hunting? Uh, either, uh, you know, I, I like, they're kind of different and they both have positives and, and, and kind of negatives, but well, not too many negatives, different positives. Let's put it that way. So with spring bear over here, since it's a draw, it's not as crowded um, per se. You know, you have like large areas all to yourself. You can drive behind lock gates that you normally would have to hike in or pedal bike or something to that effect. And the strategy is a little bit different, you know, because bear in the spring, they're, they're eating that green grass, they're stripping trees. Um, uh, the rut's going on if you hit it uh, later in the season. So that's the whole different dynamic. Whereas in the fall, um, it's general season. So there's more people out bear hunting, although there's not a ton of pressure for bear because, you know, there's, there's some pressure, but not a lot. Um, 
and the bear are eating blackberries and it's just a different time of year. So it's nice in the spring to go blow the stink off, but it's nice in the fall to, to go out and, and get ready for, for deer and elk season. So I, I love them both really, but spring is special because it's a draw. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I really love spring bear hunting. It's uh, it's nice too. It breaks up the, the long daunting winter. Yeah. You know, after being cooped up, it's, I think everyone's itching to get out and if you can get out spring bear hunting, that's, fantastic and you know the hides the hides are great if you can get them early that time of year before they start rubbing them off um because they just come right out of the den you know and they got that nice winter hide going on so yeah nice thick coat so what started your obsession with bear hunting um i guess i kind of got into it with my brother david he kind of got into it just on his own and then i started pounding around with him and hunting them outside of uh town called issaquah kind of uh up in the hills and then you know life gets in the way and we can't hunt together as often as we should and and so i just kind of started exploring it on my own um and and i i really enjoy predator hunting i like hunting things that can hunt you if they so choose it's just a different kind of dynamic compared to deer or elk you know deer or elk though they're most of the time they they're prey animals and so they're you know, instinct is to take off running. Well, bear are curious. They might come in, they might sneak behind you. Like I told about the story, um, you know, they could charge you. There's it's just a whole different ball of wax. And, and, you know, bear are kind of mysterious. I never really saw a whole lot of bear uh, until I started hunting them. Um, so, you know, I, I would deer hunt for, since I was 12. And I don't think I saw my first bear until I was uh, early mid twenties when I started hunting them. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the time I was out in the woods. Most of the time I was out in the woods for deer hunting was in the fall when the bear are, you know, they're following the, what remains of the blackberries and stuff, but that's kind of a late season to find bear. And so, yeah, that kind of, kind of got me into it, I guess. It's just the idea of hunting predators. Um, and Randy Anderson of, uh, calling out coyotes. He's the, he's, he, who he is the guy who kind of got me into predator calling. And so, you know, I got into predator calling bobcats and, and coyotes, and then it kind of morphed into, well, let's try this for bears. And um, uh, I saw a DVD by Wayne Carlton called uh, They Come to Eat, and that's all about predator calling bears and stuff. And that's a great DVD if you can pick it up or watch it on YouTube. Um, and that really got me hooked because that guy just got him right in close, and, and he had, like, cougar on there that were coming in, and it was just – it's incredible. The things that you can do with a predator call to get animals to come in is, is very enticing to me. It's pretty cool. I'm uh, – you know, I, I do a bit of calling. Um, you know, I'm nowhere near as, as good of a caller as you, but, uh, you know, it's – like you said, it's something about uh, hunting something that's hunting you. It's just uh, it's a whole different dynamic, that's for sure. You've been, uh, you got two great books. You've been on numerous podcasts, hunting podcasts. You know, I, I really wanted to get into some of the specifics if, uh, if you're willing to share that with us just about, you know, um, scouting and whether, you know, kind of everything that, you know, maybe a, a new hunter getting into bear hunt looking for, but, uh, seeing as it's spring, I was kind of hoping, uh, you could kind of just walk us through some some tips uh for spring bear hunting you know um you know kind of when do you start your scouting uh what you're looking for you know what what areas you're trying to focus on that sort of thing yeah no problem we'll, we'll um, just uh we'll play it as you uh you were lucky and you got a draw tag sure so i mean if if i got a draw tag i'm putting in for units i already know and i've already kind of scouted but 
let's say I didn't, um, the first thing, what I always tell people is if you find food um, for that time of year that the bear are eating with minimal human interaction, you're going to find bears. So find food, find bears. And so you got to ask yourself, what are bears eating in the spring? At the very beginning, they are eating what comes up first out of the ground, and that's green grass shoots. So you want to find like sunny areas that have those shoots coming up first. Um, and then after that, uh, I'll look for like skunk cabbage swamps um, because that's another food source that they'll munch on and dig up and eat. Um, and then as spring kind of warms up just a little bit, that's when they start stripping those trees. So you want to look for like Douglas fir, those type of trees that are, if you, if you take your hands and you make a C out of both of your hands and you put them together, that's about how round and maybe a little bit rounder. You can expand that out a couple inches, but that's about how round of the trees that you want to look for. So they're probably, you know, like 10 year old trees, um, not super old, but the bears will they'll strip that bark off and they'll peel that, that bark off to get to the cambium layer. And it, what they're getting at is kind of a sugary sap that comes up out of the roots that's stored in the roots in the winter. And then as it heats up the environment, that sap comes up those trees and that's what they start to, to chew on. Um, and so as far as scouting goes, um, even if I'm just driving around or whatever, and I'm looking at hillsides and I start to see like dead, uh, like red trees or yellow trees. Um, so when they're red, they've been dead for, you know, a year or two when they're yellow, they're dying or on their way completely out. But that's kind of a, a key to me. If those, are the right size trees and you can kind of spot them along the hillside that, Hey, there was spring damage there um, the year before or the year before that. And so that's kind of a clue to like, Hey, I should probably check out this area if I'm going to be hunting bear spring bear in that area, particularly um, because they were there a year or two ago. Um, and the environment probably hasn't changed a whole lot from those two years or three years. And so that's definitely a key feature that I look for when I'm looking for spring bear. Do you find that? Um, also, uh, do you find that? Sorry. Do you find that bears will stay in an area for a significant length of time? So, like, it, it depends what they're doing. So, in um, you know, if they have a large area of acres where those trees are the right size and the sap's coming in, um, they'll stay in that patch for a while unless they get pushed out either by another bear or hunter interaction. But when they're stripping those trees, you know, they'll stay on a tree for a half hour more or less could be more could be less um and sometimes you'll see just a, like a little chunk taken out of a tree where they strip part of it and they chewed it and it wasn't quite ready so then they move on so when they're in that patch they're kind of bouncing around a lot um constantly moving but if they find like a big green patch uh you know they're they're still moving they're eating that grass but they'll just kind of stay there um that i've found uh until better food sources have been found or something pushes them out. Um, they're pretty active in the spring as far as moving around, um, as far as, uh, you know, finding those green patches and finding those trees where they really kind of stay stationary to me is in the fall when, when the blackberries and the blueberries are dying out, but there's still big patches of it. You know, they'll, they'll stay in those areas eating until the food source is gone um, or they get pushed out. But, the, you know, you can really focus in the fall on the remaining food sources that are left and that kind of congregates bears in those specific areas. Um, and then, you know, in, in the spring, as, as the rut comes along uh, in, you know, late May, June, um, the boars, they start traveling quite a bit because they're just looking for the sows that are in heat. 
And so, um, you know, the boars are, are moving quite a bit in, the, in during that time. Yeah, you talk about in your book, too, about bear damage. And, uh, you know, when I was reading your book, uh, a couple things happened. Uh, a light went off in my head, and at the same time, I, I kind of felt uh, a little bit stupid. Is You know, I spent a lot of the time in, in the backcountry, and this is one thing I've never never bothered to look for as an indicator of bears in the area. I don't, you know, when you're out looking for elk or deer, yeah, you're looking for rubs and that, but it just never dawned on me to, to look for... Uh, for those bear scrapes it was uh, real cool and interesting to read about it in your book yeah and, and how, you know how i learned about that was i got drawn for spring bear one year um my first year and uh, the logging company and the department of fish and wildlife they have kind of a uh, a very short class of um you know hey here's your here's your keys to the lock gates and these are the areas that we're finding damage in and this is kind of what to look for so they actually keyed me in on Hey, this is this is what they're doing to the trees. This is kind of what it looks like. And then, since they gave me that little nugget, when I start walking around looking for that, boy, you you can certainly find a lot of areas that have been damaged by by bear once you know what to kind of look for. Like I say, you don't notice it when you're out and about, but then once you know what to look for, um, you certainly find a lot of it. Yeah, like I said, after reading that, I I kind of just a light went off in my head, and that's definitely something that uh, I'll be looking for now on. Um, you know, I think the weather down in uh, Washington is very similar to BC here. So right now, for some folks wanting to head out uh, for bear right now, what what should they be looking for in terms of topography? Like what what sort of things should they they be or areas they should be trying to focus on, and and maybe what time of the day they should be concentrating their efforts, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I like evenings and and mornings uh, for bear. It's just kind of cooler. You know, bear are still warm in those coats um so me personally i like to hunt the evenings and, and the mornings but you can find bear kind of all day it just it it depends on on the hunter uh, but that's what i concentrate on as far as topography goes i like to find like cool creek areas uh brushy draws um but particularly this time of year again you want to find what food source they're they're going for so if you have you know a, a brushy draw but it has mature stands of trees and, and no food in it, that's not necessarily something you want to look for. But if you find a brushy draw that has a five to 10 year old tree prod growing in it, that might be something you're going to key in on, um, you know, because they have a water source, they have cover, and then they can start stripping those trees. Or um, if there's a swamp nearby where the, the sun can get down and, and really start growing some grass, um, now it's a little late for that because everything is pretty much greened up now. But um, still, that's that's an area I would keep an eye on for the skunk cabbage, um, for areas that have insect activity, ants, uh, termites, that type of thing where they can dig into stumps. Um, but really, I tell people to watch draws, um, watch travel corridors, uh, but find that food. The food is key. You want to find what they're eating, and that will definitely help you narrow down the areas that you want to hunt. You know, I, I think most people listening will know that bears are omnivores. They eat, uh, you know, all sorts of ve- vegetation and meat. How long do bears concentrate on those grassy areas and berries? Uh, and when do the, when do they kind of move on to more bigger, more pro meals? I'd say the grassy areas are the first couple of weeks of spring, um, first couple of weeks of season as things kind of grow up. And then, you know, skunk cabbage kind of comes in right behind it um, as things warm up. The, the cambium layer, that sap comes up through the, through the roots. And then by then, um, you know, you're starting to get some insect activity. 
so you can keep an eye on looking for torn up stumps. Um, and, and shortly after that, you got fawns dropping and calves dropping. And so then you can, you can work on predator calling because that's, that's now a new food source for them and something that they're not going to ignore. Usually it's, it's about the end of season by then for spring. Um, and then the next season for us would be fall. And that would be when the berries start to show up because our fall season starts in August. And oh, by right? then berries are, Early. yeah, berries are August 1st. So, so some berries have started to come in, but um, yeah, you just, you, you kind of got to follow where that food source is in different elevations, you know, um, higher, higher areas will probably still be covered in snow and, and not have as much food as down low where it's getting greener and kind of warmer. So pay attention to that. Um, you know, and if you find a nice grassy area or a, or an area where I hold those trees and, and you're not seeing strict areas or sign, you know, just keep, keep walking, keep looking for that special sign, you know, bear crap sitting in the woods it almost looks like horse manure, honestly. Um, especially in the early spring with all that grass that they're eating. So don't mistake it for horse manure. If you come across a big pile of grassy looking scat in the middle of a, of a grassy field, pay close attention to that. I'll often take a stick and dig through it. I've found uh, fawn hooves in, in that stuff. I found teeth. I found all sorts of stuff that the animals have uh, bear have eaten, you know, and, and, passed through so that's one thing i've definitely uh focused my attention on is bear scat you know it can be a lot of you know bear size uh what it's been eating just you know by looking at it if it's you know if it's still full of really grassy stuff then you know that uh what they've been feeding on and also it's good because depending on you you kind of get an idea of how fresh it is and um you know when it's been in the area that sort of thing so and and keep in mind like if if you're if you're hunting in the spring and you find like an old like you know like a month old pile of bear scat uh, from that spring and you get disappointed don't be too disappointed because you know that there was bear activity in that a couple of weeks before you were there and so the following season you might want to hit that area just a little bit earlier and the same could be said uh when you find scat in the fall or something like that so in in one of in my book i give an example of uh i'm out deer hunting and i come upon this log landing and there's like 35 40 piles of bear scat but it's all like two weeks old um so you know it's 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 past when there's a bear in there but it all has uh rose hip um scat in it he was eating the rose hips that were in this little brushy draw but that keyed me in on hey you know i can come here a couple weeks before deer season and while bear season is still in effect um and probably tag out on a bear because this is obviously an area that's frequented by bear because of the food so um you know I often take little notes or mental notes, at least, of areas that have uh, older bear scat in it, and I just try to time it um, more correctly as to when the food's there and when the bear will be there. Yeah, you know, that, that's funny because, uh, you know, I heard you and Cody Rich talking about that, uh, a journal, a, a hunting journal. And, you know, that's one thing I've heard other guys talk about, too, is keeping a hunting journal. And, you know, last year, it's funny, I was like, it's one thing I'm going to I'm gonna do this year. I'm going to, you know, just put a waterproof little notepad in my backpack and just keep notes. And, you know, I, I did it maybe once or twice. And then it's just funny. I, it just, I don't know what happened. I just forgot about it. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up. That's definitely one thing... Uh, I'm going to work on, but uh, you guys were talking about it, and, and you keep uh, a little journal as well. So, um, 
you take a notes on weather and, and also logging, kind of just basically everything that you're seeing out there? Anything that's of interest. And so, you know, in the in the digital age, too, you don't need to bring a, a, a waterproof anything. If you have your cell phone on you and you have, you know, you can make little notes in your notepad on your cell phone or on if you have the Onyx app, um, you can use little pins and be like, hey, um, you know, April 25th, old bear scat, two week old. Um, you know, so there's little pins, little indicators on your map that you could that you could uh, highlight. But oh, yeah. so you know, I, I I'm taking um, timing notes of you know there's old bear scat in this area. Um, you know, I'm I'm two weeks behind, so um, that's one one issue. I'll, I'll mark I'll mark strip trees. I'll mark um, scenting scenting trees where a barrel stand up on like an old or not an old, but like a young uh, alder or something like that, and they'll they'll rub all over the tree or they'll grab the top of the tree and bend it over their shoulder. That's them kind of marking their territory, um, letting people know, letting other bears know kind of the areas that they're working. And so I'll mark those because those are a little bit less obvious, um, but they're still a telltale sign that there's bear in the area. And I always kind of check those breaks to see what color of hair, if there's hair on the break, what color of hair it is. Maybe it's a color phase bear or a black bear. Um, I'll mark new in areas that I'm hunting frequently for bear. If there's a fresh log cut like this year, um, I might mark that it's been cut. And so I'll avoid that area for the next, you know, probably two, three years until it starts growing up more brush. And then I'll go back and visit that area instead of driving out, you know, to that specific gate and then hiking up. Um, so yeah, just, just anything to help me shave time and energy and gas, um, that helps refine my search when I'm, when I'm looking for bear. Yeah, no doubt too. I also find as I get a little older, my memory seems to, uh, to, uh, slip away for some reason. I don't know. Well, yeah, we just ran into that at the beginning of the episode. I couldn't even remember that story correctly half the time. (laughs) That happens. So I guess best of us, but, uh, you mentioned on X up here. We don't have uh, on X. We got, uh, we got a few other things, but, uh, so like on X, Google earth, is that something you use a lot, uh, you know, off season, you do a lot of e-scouting. uh, I do when I'm when I'm bored for sure. I'll um, it's it's crazy what you can accomplish with with e scouting, and that's that's actually how I got my first spring bear was e scouting. Um, you know, I, I found an area that I, I was seeing some good sign uh, bear scat, um, but when I walked into it, it was super thick. I couldn't really see more than like ten yards in front of me from blackberry bushes and just you know trees and stuff. And I thought, well. I'll, I'll take a look at this on, you know, later on, on online. And so when I went home, I looked at Google earth and I could see a bunch of, I could see the area and there was brush throughout, but there was little teeny pockets of open areas, you know, 10, 20 yards long. Um, and one section really interested me. And that was about a hundred yard stretch that was fairly open. And I thought, well, that's, you know, not too far. I can get to that. And then I can hunt that area. And so that's actually right where I ended up shooting the bear. What had happened was is the bear bears throughout the years had stripped a bunch of those trees in that area. And so it left kind of a, a meadow surrounded by all of these, all this brush and, and grown up trees. Um, so it left kind of a swampy open area meadow that was greened up with grass. And I just kind of hung out there until I saw a boar and I ended up taking that one. So e-scouting can be helpful. Um, and, and, you know, any other, um, e-scouting tools that you might have, you know, I, you see, you don't have Onyx, but any other, um, thing where you can mark, well, heck, even if you have a Garmin, if you have an old school Garmin, uh, 
uh, tracker um, CB radio, you should be able to mark pins on that too. Yeah. Um, provided you can use that. Yeah. My GPS doesn't come out of my bag too often. I have one, but I mean, just with the technology, uh, we have, uh, we've got back roads, maps, books up here, and we have uh, iHunter, which is, you know, essentially the same thing as, as Onyx. So uh, those are two great tools to use. But yeah, it's funny since, uh, you know, with new technology, it's, it's one thing, uh, you, you seem to pull out less and less as, as those old school maps and, uh, and your GPS. Yeah. I've got a pile of, uh, old school maps that, that I gathered when I was first spring hunting and, and I still hold on to them. I don't know if I'll ever use them again, but I still have them as almost like nostalgia, I guess. I always keep one in my backpack. I mean, I, I like looking at, you know, the big map. I'm not the best guy with technology and I'm always still skeptical of battery running out or me dropping it or something like that. I always oh no, it. like it's, you should always have the skills to use a map and a compass to, to find your way out because technology is definitely fallible. You know, you can drop your phone in a creek or smash it or who knows what. So what about uh, like camo and scent? Do you do, uh, do you focus a lot on, uh, on scent control and, uh, and camo? You know, it depends what I'm doing. So like with scent control, my scent control consists of this. I'll hike into a spot and I'll sweat and I'll get stinky. And then I'll take some uh, Douglas fir branches off and I'll strip the bark a little bit. And then I'll rub pitch all over my armpits. That's my scent control. Um, most of the time, I'm looking for uh, controlling my scent through the wind. So I just want to use the wind to try to benefit myself in the hunt. I think that bears can probably smell you quite well, um, even with scent control. So I, I don't bother with it too much. I do try to cover it a little bit with pitch. Um, but that's about that. As far as camo goes, I've killed plenty of bear in blue jeans and a t-shirt. Um, but when I'm predator calling, I actually, I bring along what I call a predator poncho. It's basically a, uh, a camo thing of burlap that I've cut a hole in and it looks like a poncho that I drape over my, my body and it covers, it breaks up my outline. So when I'm walking, you don't really see the, the gap between my legs. And then when I sit down, I, it makes me almost look like a bush or a rock. Um, I can put a hood up over my myself if I want that I have attached to it. And um, if I'm using a knee collar, I can hide my hands underneath the, the poncho itself. So you don't see any movement there, which is really good for cats because cats uh, will pick up on any sort of movement whatsoever really fast. Um, or if I'm just using the mouth call, I'll just, you know, put the, the mouth call in my mouth and um, use the, the, the surroundings to try to blend myself in and uh you know i won't i won't fluctuate my hand a lot when i'm calling i will a little bit now and again but i won't you know do a whole bunch of movements with my hand um just to avoid uh being spotted basically yeah so call so calling I, that's uh that's your bread and butter of uh of bear hunting isn't it well if i get bored like if i'm out hiking around or something and i and i don't I'm not finding what I want. Or if I, you know, see a nice brushy area instead of me tromping through there and, and spreading my scent everywhere and being noisy and this and that, I might hike in a little bit and find a, find a nice tall stump or log pile or rocky outcrop and, and call into that and try to call the animals out to me instead of me going in after them. I, I just think that's a smart way of doing it. And that's, that's kind of, I've found success with it. So it seems to be working for me, but you know, other people have other ways, but that's, that's what works for me. And so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's my theory. 
Yeah, definitely not. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your calling, uh, just your techniques and, and your cadence, you know, um, you know, when's a good time to start calling and how long to call for that sort of thing. I always say any, any time's a good time to start calling. Um, but you know, people will be like, Oh, you got to wait till the fawns drop or you gotta, you gotta sound this certain way. Or, you know, if you're calling like this, it doesn't sound right. Don't listen to that. So you don't have to be a perfect caller or have sounds perfect. All you want to do is create interest and bears are predators and they're going to be interested uh, in certain sounds. And so you just got to find the sound that they're interested in long enough to get a shot off. So, you know, if I'm squalling like a rabbit, but I don't quite sound like a rabbit, I might sound like, uh, you know, uh, something else. The bear doesn't necessarily care. He wants to come and, and, and check out that sound, what's hurt, what's making that sound. And so that's, that's key. Don't get down on yourself thinking that you're not a good caller if nothing's coming in. Something might have came in behind you. Something, um, lots of times, bear will sneak in and you won't even, you won't even see him or, or hear him. Um, so just keep plugging away. <laughs> yeah, I um, laugh. But I, la part, I, I, sorry, I laugh at that. I just one thing I found with bear calling is that I'm way better at calling bears that I had no idea were there than I am trying to call the bear that I can see. For some reason, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've so you know, for example, I was, I was. I was uh, calling this rocky gully when I was elk hunting. I wasn't having much luck with elk. I thought, heck with it. I'm going to predator call for a while. So I sat, predator called, and uh, I didn't follow my own advice. I called for about an hour, and then I, instead of staying there and waiting to see if anything came in, I just was like, all right, I'm out of here. So then I started hiking out, and I get around the draw, and I get up to the road, and a bear was coming in. He crossed the road, and he was coming in down to the draw to come see where I was. And if I would have stayed there, I would have saw him. Um, but by then, you know, the whole thing was foobard. But that's an example of uh, not following my own advice. Uh, getting back to your question, as far as cadence goes, I usually like to start off slow. So build a scenario in your head. You know, I always try to tell people, uh, does a coyote, uh, you know, have a fawn? And it's, you know, uh, it's not quite dead. So the coyote's, you know, harassing it. Um, is the fawn just lost? Uh, make Make up that that scenario in your head and then go with it. So I'll start kind of quiet and sad and whimpering. Um, and then at, throughout the hour, I will raise the intensity and the sound of the call until near the end when it, you know, it really peaks out and I'll keep that for a while. And then once I'm done, I just, I'll, I'll either wind down like I'm dying off and then just give up or I'll just shut it off after it's, you know, I've had a frantic pace and I'll just cut it off. Um, sometimes bears will wait until you are, uh, done with your calling to come and, and see what all the noise is. Um, sometimes they'll charge right in under like five minutes. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that scenario is key in your head. Try to build that and stick with it. And, you know, if, if your rabbit call is not working, um, try a fawn distress. Uh, if, if all your friends are using a fawn distress, uh, try something else, you know, uh, the bears in the area, they might've been educated on that specific sound, or they might not be interested in at that time of year. You can even try something that doesn't even live in the area. You know, sometimes I'll use like a, a, a pig, a boar squealing sound, or I'll use, you know, a coyote yelp. You wouldn't think a bear would come into a yelp and coyote distress, but I've had bears just come barreling into that, um, wanting to kill that coyote, which is kind of crazy to me. But, uh, and, that, and that's unconventional calling. That's an unconventional sound that you normally wouldn't use on a predator. 
but you know just try to make stuff up use 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 sounds that other people aren't um to pique that interest you know what i mean yeah in your book you mentioned cold calling maybe you can uh maybe you can just touch on that what's cold calling cold calling is 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 uh kind of opposite of what you're doing so if you see a bear and you start calling that's you know to me that's not cold calling that's hey um i see a bear i'm gonna try to get it to me cold calling is when i'm hiking around and i see you know a real brushy area or something that looks bearish and i think that there's a bear in there i will plant myself down somewhere and and predator call that area and i might have never called it before um it's a brand new spot so to me that's cold calling it's just giving it a shot um and that has worked it doesn't work every time but i mean that's that's a most of what i do is cold calling um lots of times if i see a bear like the uh, uh, bear my brother shot when we were on a goat hunt with my dad we could see the bear eating blueberries and i i blew on it was a ways away mind you but i predator called and once it heard my call it ran in circles for about 15 20 seconds and then stopped and then just keep eating just kept eating blueberries like it it, it was funny to see because he was content he had food so why leave well anyway my brother went down there and shot that but um yeah cold calling is just trying new spots you know if you if you're a fisherman and you're a bass fisherman and you see a sunken log you know the odds are as a bass fisherman you know that there might be a bass under that log it looks like there's it holds bass and as a bear hunter you start to find more and more areas you're like you know what i bet you there's a bear hiding out in there that looks bearish so i'll call down in there so i don't have to walk and disturb the area and i'll give it like an hour like i say and then i'll I'll hang out for 15, 20 minutes, and if nothing shows up after that, I'll I'll pack up and and try a different spot. Um, so, so when you're calling for, say, you're down there uh, for an hour, how long are you actually calling? Are you sitting down there and blowing on that thing for a solid hour? Because you must have some incredible set of lungs on you. So you don't have to you don't have to call and call and call straight for an hour, but I like to call for like three, four, five minutes, fairly steady. You know, not constant, but I, but you're going up and down changing your pitch you're making noise for about three four five minutes pausing listening for a minute two minutes three minutes and then starting again but you're you're you you want to make noise for about that hour with a break here or there in between um and i tell people predator calling bears a lot like playing with a cat so when you have a string and you're playing with a kitty the kitty's all interested while you're moving the string right and then you stop moving that string and the cat's like meh kind of walks off and you start moving that string again and then the cat comes back same thing with predator calling when you're making noise lots of times those bears they'll start walking in and as soon as you stop and i've seen this as soon as i've stopped they've sat down or they kind of lose interest and they'll start doing something else but then you start back up again and then they come right back and they start walking in so you got to think in your head hey if i think there's a bear on that hillside a quarter mile away and it's covered in thick brush and blowdowns and everything i got to give that bear enough time while i'm calling to get to me so i want to reel it in with that sound for probably about an hour um and, and sometimes longer sometimes shorter it's you know it's not rocket science um but yeah give yourself breaks and and you will often hear the bear coming in um long before you see it especially in brushy areas um now don't just think that every you know, brush that moves as a bear, obviously, but um, you can definitely hear them coming if they're comfortable or if they're aggressive. Um, and sometimes you can't hear them coming whatsoever. They don't make a sound. Um, and the other tip for this too, I mean, you can read about it in my book too, but 
I use squirrels as indicators of predators coming in, not just bears, but predators. So if I'm predator calling and it's, you know, it's nice and quiet and I'm predator calling and a squirrel starts going nuts 400 yards to my right, um, that's kind of an indicator like, okay, maybe it's just a squirrel being mad at me. But then, you know, as I keep calling throughout the set, another squirrel, um, you know, 300 yards, 200 yards, 100 yards, you can you can almost follow the progression of the animal coming in. And I've, I've seen that done with coyotes because the, the squirrel will, you know, give a warning shout at the coyote or the bobcat or the bear coming in. So pay attention to squirrel noises. If, if the thing's chirping far away and as you progress, uh, squirrel noises get closer and closer with different squirrels. To me, that's a tip that something's coming in. So very focus on, on that direction too, when something like that's happening. Yeah, that's a good tip. And, uh, it's surprising when bear hunting, uh, how quiet bears are, you know, something so big and, you know, they look so clumsy and, and, or they just don't care where they're walking. And, but when they want to be, they sure can be quiet. It's amazing. I've had a bear stand up in front of me at like 15 yards. And he had me dead to rights. Like he was looking right at me and I, I didn't raise my gun or nothing. And then he got down on all fours and I was waiting for him to stand back up again. And he just like melted. I mean, he was in blackberry bushes, but not, I didn't see a leaf, nothing moved. Like I stood there for totally still for like 45 minutes before I walked forward and he just was gone. It was insane how, how they can do that. It's yeah. Crazy. It's yeah. It's nuts. Last year I've, I, I seen this blonde, this beautiful blonde black bear. Um, I seen him once. Instantly, I, I fell in love with that guy. I wanted wanted to get after him. So I, there was an area I found. It had a water source, and it was the only water source basically uh, in an area nearby. So I had some trail cameras up, and I I caught him on uh, a few trail cameras. Um, one thing about trail cameras with bears, they they definitely seem to uh, eat those things. I noticed. Um, but uh, they're interested. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so I found this, you know, this one blood blonde stud. So one day I was still hunting, you know, just slowly make my way around this area, just seeing if get a glimpse of them. And, you know, cause there was some openings and stuff like that. So I'm walking up this hillside where there's a sort of a, an old path and, uh, and sure enough, um, he popped up, had to be about 10, 15 yards to my right. He got up and he, he ran about another 10 yards. He stopped, looked back at me broadside. I got a shot off, went up to where he was, when I shot, looked for some blood. I was there for about two hours. Couldn't find any blood. Um, you know, I just uh, came to the conclusion. I rushed my shot. It's a clear miss. So as I was walking back down, and I'm, I'm in, you know, um, waist-high grass, not too tall, not really thick, but I was walking back down to where I had started, and this other bear jumps up not five yards from me. Now he was either there the whole time and I never noticed him or he snuck up on me somehow, but man, that's just goes to show you, uh, how quiet those things are. I was, uh, it scared the living shit out of me when I seen him. I, <laughs> I had my sling right. on my, um, you know, and I've had, you know, up in BC, we have a lot of grizzly bears and stuff. And, uh, you know, I've had my run-ins with grizzly bears and, and all sorts of critters, but it doesn't matter what it is. It, uh, it sure gets your heart going when, uh, when there's something that has the potential to, to, uh, to kill you jumps up that close to you yeah definitely i uh i was predator calling one time and i had a bobcat almost jump in my lap uh, and that got my heart going because i mean it was it was brushy and i was calling on the other side of this like gravel road and so the only clear space in front of me directly in front of me was just the patch of the road and when that thing came out of the brush from directly across the road all i saw was like a flash and then eyes and i just swung my rifle and it stopped like basically right at the end of my rifle 
and you know realized that wasn't a rabbit and then kind of got pissed off and then ran off but i was just like holy cow that got my heart going yeah well exactly you know and you know that's something that it it, you're gonna get cut up from it i mean you know you know what a house like a house cat what they're like never mind something that's that size for sure yeah oh yeah that's a good note to uh you know to any uh any new hunters out there listening that maybe uh maybe are going out after uh bears for the first time to you know if uh if you can take a friend with you especially when you're tr- when you're tracking bears but uh just to always be careful when you're when you're tracking a bear that you shot at or or even bear hunting in general you you always got to be expect the unexpected definitely especially if you're calling they'll they'll sneak right up or yeah they come i mean I, yeah they'll get within feet of you lots of times you won't even know it if you're not careful you ever get uh too close to a bear and no scars from no bears or nothing like that not yet knock on wood um i've been three steps from a bear uh that i talk about in the book and then a couple of deer seasons ago i was in my deer camp i was backpacked in by myself and right at dusk uh it's just getting you know too dark to hunt nothing like that but i was camped right on this little open grassy spot surrounded by trees and i was sitting down i had my rifle next to me and i was going to start cooking i hadn't started cooking yet and uh there was this looked like a blob or i I couldn't tell if i was hearing things if it was a wind or what so then i kind of stood up and i saw what looked like just a blob in the in the white grass you know kind of coming toward me and i I thought man am i am i seeing spots and i kind of rubbed my eyes a little bit and then, then i saw that blob stop and then it moved again i think no that's you know, that's not uh, a spot. And this, you know, this area is only 50 yards wide or something like that. And so I had my rifle kind of down by my feet and I just kind of bent down and picked up my rifle and that uh, a bear walked basically right up to me and was only, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 yards before I actually shot in the dirt between me and the bear and it thing ran off. But, uh, yeah, just like walked right up to me. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. They get, uh, it's funny how big they get when they're right there. Do you guys have, uh, a lot of grizzlies down in Washington there? We have grizzlies up in the Okanagan County and uh, not a ton. You know, we're, I think we're getting more, um, but it, it is a requirement now to take a, a bear identification test down here so you don't accidentally shoot a grizzly, that type of thing. Um, so they are around, just not super prevalent. Not like what you guys have going on, especially since the bear hunting, grizzly bear hunting got axed up there. Yeah, it's funny. And, and lately there's many more incidences with grizzly attacks and cougar attacks. And then it's funny you tell somebody about, oh, the cougar attack. And then you mention, well, there's no grizzly bear hunting anymore. And they're like, well, what does that have to do with a cougar? I'm like, well, a grizzly's king of the woods. And there's not a lot of predators around that sucker. If he's in an area, there's not too many things around that that uh that old boy for sure but uh it's they're yeah. trying to they're actually going after or they're trying to put a kibosh on black bear hunting in bc and of course they're you know it it doesn't matter to them um you know it's it's death by a thousand cuts i i've never heard uh an anti-gun person or a uh anti-hunter say well you know if we if we just ban bear hunting um, then, you know, we'll leave you alone for deer and elk and trapping and everything else. No, it's, it's never, it's never good enough. They, they want a complete ban on, on all predators, all ungulates, that type of thing. It's disgusting. It angers me, but what do you do? Yeah, well, exactly. And it is, you know, it's, it's this, 
uh, phrase has been said a number of times, but it's the low-hanging fruit. It, unfortunately, there's there's not a ton of bear hunters, and a lot of guys, a lot of hunters just say, well, you know, whatever, I don't hunt bears anyway. But like you said, it's just death by a thousand cuts. After the bear, what's it going to be? It's going to, you know, it's just going to trickle down the line until there is something on your list that you do care about, but by then it'll be too late. Right. It'll be, you know, it'll be rifle hunting for deer because that's not fair for the deer. But then, you know, muzzleloader is the same thing. And, all oh, archery, you know, that wound's too many, so we got to get rid of that. That You know, it's it's one thing after another with those people. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of them. And, and what we got to work on is the uneducated public. So, you know, I've talked to hikers um, and, and people who aren't necessarily anti-hunting but don't hunt. And they have, like, no idea that, A, you can eat bear. B, it's a requirement to take the meat, at least in Washington State. Otherwise, it's a felony for for wanton waste um and so you know they think you just shoot it take the hide and walk off and that's not what happens so i always encourage people to uh you know be a be ambassador and kind of showcase that share summer sausage and breakfast sausage you know give people a taste of of what bear meat actually tastes like and why we hunt and why we support uh that natural resource yeah, and it's impressive how many people are surprised, you know, when food is cooked and and prepared or prepared and cooked properly, and then you give it to somebody and they're like, wow, that's that's a, that's awesome, what is it? And then you're like, well, that's black bear, and they're like, wow, you know, it's just, uh, it's amazing their reaction if it's done, if it's done properly. You know, Doug, I, I'm going to let you go here, but one quick thing i wanted to touch on bef- before we uh, before we part ways today is, uh, uh, I imagine you, you must have a lot of rugs sitting around your house so maybe if you could just give uh some tips or 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 just talk a little bit about um you know skinning what you do once you have the bear down you know because one thing about bears is they've got such a thick coarse hide and you know it's a lot tougher than a deer and it's i find anyway it's a lot you know it's it's a lot harder to get off than uh, than a deer so how do you deal with your hide when you when you're making a rug uh yeah you know spot on about it being tougher than deer um and you know the deer fat's kind of it's almost dry ish you know it's not a it's not a real greasy fat bear is definitely a greasy fat you might as well put your hand in a cube of butter and then try to skin an animal with bear um you know, it's similar to deer if you're going to keep the hide in that you want to keep it dry and cool and clean as best you can. Um, and I go through step by step on how to skin a bear in the ultimate guide. Uh, but what you don't want to do is shoot a bear, throw it in the back of your truck and then drive around for four hours, you know, showing your friends because you might get uh, hair loss. Um, you just want to get that thing skinned out and cooled as quickly as possible. Don't don't dunk the hide in the creek or nothing like that. Just keep it dry. Um, water kind of uh, helps bacteria grow, and bacteria is what causes that hair slippage. Um, you know, if you if you can't skin the head out, um, or if it's going to be a little bit before you can get to a taxidermist, uh, if provided you're going to take it to one, um, you want to get that bear frozen. Don't ball up the hide around the head. You want the head kind of outside of the hide the best you can because if you if you ball the hide all the way around the head, the head will stay warm for a while, and then that can actually cause a little bit of slippage too. So you want to keep the the head on the exterior of the hide if you're going to freeze it. Yeah, um, I know all about that from experience. I did that on one of my very first bears. I, uh, I kept the head on and the paws, and I folded it all together, and I rolled it together, and I froze it, and... Yeah, I soon found out that 
that's not a good idea. Right. So yeah, just you know, dry, cool, clean. Um, get it to a taxidermist or a freezer as quickly as possible. If you if you can't skin out the head, freeze it uh, on the exterior. Um, you know, and and they are a little bit different um, as far as skinning compared to a deer or an elk. But uh, I always advise either bring you know a, several blades with you. Like if you have a Havilon knife, if you're going to be using those, or at least a good sharpener take the time because it seems like bare hair, bare hide. It just seems to kind of dull your knife a lot faster than it does a, a deer or an elk. So just take the time, you know, take some water, take a break, sharpen your knife. Um, that way you don't hurt yourself too. You don't get exhausted and just, just sharp knives, intentional cuts, uh, look online, you know, look online prior before you shoot a bear. So don't, especially if you're a first time bear hunter, don't go out shoot a bear and then wonder what to do. Um, read up online, read my book, that type of stuff, but, but learn how to skin um, for a rug or a half mount or however you want to do it um, prior to that so you're not guessing and, and ruining the hide. And, yeah. uh, and one other thing, too, is like a lot of times bear hunting is, is during warm times of the year. So if you're 10 miles back and you're 60 years old and you're not in the best of shape, you know, do you really want to shoot that bear? Can you get it out in time? Uh, to save the meat and to save the hide, or you know, should you find something a little more uh, uh, easier for you to get out? I'm not. I'm not saying people should take the easy road. I'm just saying that they should do what's best for the prey that you're trying to take. You know what I mean? Yep. So if you're a 20 year old and you're 10 miles back and you're in shape, that's no big deal. You know, you can hike it out. But if it's 95 and and you could lose the bear, you might not want to take that shot. So yeah, think about that. Yeah, definitely. When you're in your 20s, it's. Uh... No problem. Once you get over 40, then yeah, it's a little different for sure. Yeah. 45, uh, definitely a a hill I'm climbing. So, (laughs) but anyway, yeah, that's good advice. And yeah, that's another one. Do, uh, do your due diligence before you, you head out and, uh, and read Doug's damn book before you get out there. The ultimate, uh, guide to black bear hunting. I'm like I said, uh, I'm going to be looking up where to find that, but, uh, thanks Doug for spending some time with me today. I know you're a busy guy and unfortunately you didn't get, uh, a spring bear tag, but uh, maybe next year, and, and good luck in the fall there. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. So where can, uh, real quickly, where can uh, uh, Canadian folk up here follow you and just keep tabs on, on what you're doing and all that uh, all that sort of stuff? Um, I'm on Instagram uh, at Bows and Bears. That's the, the name. So Bows and Bears, all one, all one word. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can just look up Douglas Bows. Um, you should be able to find me. And that's that's really about it um, as far as social media goes. Um, yeah, I have those books. I've got, although you can't use uh, electronic calls, I've got some apps out like uh, Ultimate Predator Calls. Oh, is an app yeah, I, I good use. call. I actually, I downloaded your app and uh, yeah, I was, I was messing around with it. That's great. That's, uh, I forgot about that. Sorry, man. I was going to bring that up. Oh, don't, don't I, sweat it. I have yeah. it in my notes, and we kind of just got going through things. But, yeah, that's uh, you can download it at iTunes or, or Google Play. It's called The Ultimate Predator Call. Yeah, that's great. And I, I heard yeah, actually I, a good tip. Um, you were talking with another fella about um, just getting one of those, like, you know, like a Ryobi wireless speaker um, and using that as uh and then just using the bluetooth and using it right directly from the app to that as a caller that was a great idea i mean no, it'd save you hundreds of dollars because yeah, they're not cheap those things yeah 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of what it's designed for. So you know, if you if you go out and get a, a an electronic collar, you know, minimally you're looking at a hundred bucks or more. You know, up to up to eight hundred bucks or more if you want. But you know, the app is five bucks basically that you can push from your phone to maybe even a speaker you already have that's Bluetooth enabled, and just bring it out there and and set it up and and you have an e-collar for five bucks. You know, the price of a cup of coffee. Yeah, and so the nice thing it's, about it's, those it's a good uh, beginner's way. Yeah, definitely. And it's the nice thing about those construction radios is they're, you know, they're meant for construction, so they're tough as hell. The batteries last a lot longer. I have an electric collar I use for coyote hunting, and that's one thing. The AA batteries, it takes four AA batteries, and I got to change those batteries once a day. Like, they just go dead all the time. And oh, yeah. with a construction radio, those we have them on our sites. And, I mean, the guys listen to those blared as loud as they go for those batteries last for days. And they're waterproof. Yeah. So that's a great tip, definitely. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah, uh, yeah no bait. Just bears can be found on Amazon. I know that because... Uh, as I dislike Amazon, I, I had to buy your book off it, but uh, I'll be looking, uh, taking those tips and, and looking for um, the ultimate guide to black bear hunting. Hopefully I can pick that up. Maybe I'll pick two up if I can and put one away as a collector's item. Yeah, the you know, the ebook is available too. I mean, I, I'm the type of guy to where I like a physical copy of something. Yeah. I mean, even even in video games, I don't like to download it onto a system, but um, but yeah, the ebook is available, and if uh, you're having issues trying to find it, just ping me on Instagram, or even if people have questions about bear hunting, whatever it might be, you just want to say hi, feel free to ping me on Instagram or bows and bears at Hotmail. Um, I'm happy to help out any any bear hunter with any questions anytime. So. Okay, buddy. Thank you again. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch, eh? Yes, sir.